Welcome back. This is Robert Fleming, one of the partners at the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. You're listening to our weekly podcast, Elder Law Issues. And by our, I mean mine and my partner, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman, who is sitting across from me. Uh, she, uh, for those of you who haven't met her, she looks like she probably has four names. <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment, Robert. I don't know whether I meant it as a compliment or not. <laughs> I, it just came out of my mouth. Uh, happy, uh, what day of the week are we? Uh, who knows? Who's the, keeping? All, what year is this? All the days sort of blend together. <laughs> hey, hey, Elizabeth. Uh, I thought, along with the dog barking in the background, maybe we'd talk not about dogs in the office, which is fun, and we've talked about it before, but about um, about what the what what it means to be someone's agent under a power of attorney. I guess first of all, I have to start with when people say I am the power of attorney, I always say no, you're not. That's a piece of paper. You look way more healthy and hale than a piece of paper. You are the agent or the attorney, in fact. So I'm going to try to stick with the correct language today. If you are the agent or the attorney, in fact, under a health care or a financial power of attorney, what does that mean that you actually do? Well, Robert, it's a great question. And what I think of is I think of health care decisions related to medication and surgery and placement, um, those being under the category of work and authorization that a healthcare agent can take charge of. And when I think of a durable financial power of attorney, the kinds of things I think about in that category are what happens if somebody is incapacitated and can't take their required minimum distribution from their retirement account? Or what happens if all of a sudden the pension plan changes and you need to have somebody call on your behalf um, to make sure that the deposits are redirected into a new account? So those are practical, everyday things. Something else that we oftentimes have clients come in to ask us about are contracts at things like nursing homes or independent living, um, skilled nursing care. With healthcare agents, sometimes people come in and have a care contract with a certain agency and they say, well, should I sign this or am I in charge of this? And so I would tell you, it means something a little different in every case. What my, the main thing I encourage people to do is if there is a different person who is nominated as the agent under a financial power of attorney than the person who is nominated as an agent under a healthcare power of attorney, those two people need to be talking. <laughs> so all I know is that I'm the agent on a power of attorney. How do I know if it's a healthcare power of attorney or a financial power of attorney? And is it possible to have a single power of attorney that is both? Well, Robert, so the answer is yes. You can have one big behemoth kitchen sink power of attorney. I don't generally recommend that, though, because I think that that can be hard for people to work through. There are so many different provisions, and it can all of a sudden have somebody a little confused about what cap they're wearing and when. But the answer is yes. Sometimes we do see people come in with just one large power of attorney that is you know, 10 or 15 pages long that has authority to make both health care decisions for the principal and financial decisions for the principal. Your, your other question, Robert, was, remind me again? <laughs> How do I know which kind of power of attorney I am operating under? Uh, take a moment and read it. <laughs> what a crazy idea. Do you think it'll say it right at the top? 
Probably. It's probably going to give you some information about who is nominated. So you may be nominated as an agent under a power of attorney, Robert, but you might not be the first agent nominated. You might be nominated as an alternate agent. So in addition to figuring out what kind of power of attorney, you'll probably be able to figure out maybe what, what place in line you are as an agent. So if I am the alternate agent and my brother, who is the first agent, is not doing a very good job, how do I take over? Probably have a conversation with your brother and, and see what you can do to help him. That's what I would be doing before I started thinking about how to seize control. I, I would. Wait a minute. I thought we were supposed to tell everybody to lawyer up. No. I, I would actually just have a conversation with your brother and see what's going on. And it may be that he really doesn't want to serve in this role, Robert. And that's a nice opening for you to say, oh, let me help you with that. One of the things that that we see a lot is that health care powers of attorney might not be called that. They might be called advanced directives, but have language that name an agent. Uh, They might be called health care directives or surrogate appointments or a variety of other phrases that people use, particularly in other states. And, uh, and and so when we talk about them here, Elizabeth, we're just talking about the generic healthcare power of attorney as as any document that names somebody else to make healthcare decisions for you. And Robert, I would tell you sometimes we have people who are nominated as an agent under a financial power of attorney bring the document in and show us a HIPAA waiver and say, does this make me healthcare agent? And HIPAA we have to define for those who who have been living in caves for the last ten years. HIPAA is the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. HIPAA, H-I-P-A-A. And the significance of HIPAA is that if you go ask your mother's doctor for a letter saying she's incapacitated, he's going to say, he's likely to say, or she is likely to say, I can't tell you anything because I am governed by HIPAA. I can't disclose information about your mother's health condition, which, by the way, is not correct, but that's what they're going to tell you. So the HIPAA waiver in a financial power of attorney gives the agent authority to get information from the medical providers so that they can trigger the the power of attorney and begin to act if need be. And Robert, when we see people bring in documents to us, that's a beautiful thing because we really can't provide people with recommendations or advice unless we're actually looking at the full, complete, signed power of attorney. One thing that I did want to note today for our listeners is it's not uncommon to have somebody come in who's an agent under a healthcare power of attorney or a financial power of attorney and bring a a contract for care in an assisted living facility, for instance, and say, well, the principal really needs to be moved. Uh, My mother needs to be moved. She's no longer able to be at home and be safe by herself. So I want to make sure that we can sign this paperwork for the facility where she'll be going. One of the things that I do in those cases, Robert, is we have to slow down and and ask ourselves, is the same person who is healthcare agent also the person who is managing the day-to-day funds? That may be a trustee, that may be an agent under a financial power of attorney, but I always tell people who are healthcare agents, don't sign any contract for care, whether it's with a placement like assisted living or independent living or skilled nursing, or for agency care, caregiving services, until you've actually talked with the person who is in charge of the purse strings. 
because that can lead to a perfect storm of miscommunication if there's a signed contract but there's not actually funds available to make a deposit or or pay the monthly expenses. On the flip side of that, if what you are is the financial agent, you're named on a financial power of attorney, and you're being asked to sign the, the contract with the nursing home, well, you might have the ability to bind your principal to pay the debt, but you don't have the ability to place them in the nursing facility. Nor do you have the ability to approve the care plan. That's right. So, uh, so there are very different roles. Now, in the real world, maybe 75% of the time, the same people have, have both roles, but they're operating with two different hats. So I would tell anybody who's listening today, take a moment, read through the power of attorney that is in your possession. Make sure you understand the order that you may be named as an agent, because if you're not named in the first place, then you are not going to be the first person who is responsible for making a decision. Um, In fact, if you started to try and make decisions, that could really create some liability and problems down the road for yourself. So take a moment read the document. If there are two different people in charge of health care and financial decisions, pause and figure out the best way to have some communication, whether it's an email or a phone call or an in-person meeting, to make sure you both understand what the other person may be doing. That way you can collaborate and actually have less work and not duplicate efforts. I do think that these results are the kinds of results when people communicate that really improve the outcome for the principal, for the person who really needs help. The other thing that I just have to say, because we've talked about signing admission agreements for nursing facilities, uh, I just can't let that conversation, that topic go by without saying, hey, when you read it, you're going to have a big old section in the middle of it. They're going to ask you to initial it separately. They're going to ask you to agree to it as a separate issue, allowing everything to be handled by mediation if you have any dispute. Don't sign it. Skip over that section, cross it out, say no thanks. They, Generally speaking, they can't make you agree to mediation. And if you ever have any uh, return to that question, you'll be very sorry that you signed that section. So just say no to the mediation portion. Good tip, Robert. Do you, speaking of that, do you need to bring the, the admission agreement to the law firm to, to check it out for, for, uh, for a more full review before it gets signed? Depends on, depends on the reason why you would be doing that. If you're doing that because you don't understand a provision, you don't understand your role or responsibility, sure. If you want to bring it in to ask, is this the best contract ever, or what is this forgetting? Um, we're probably going to tell you to go sit down and speak with with the care home, um, see if there's really questions of yours that can be answered by that placement before actually spending legal money on trying to understand um, what they may be asking for in the contract. So we try and slow down that conversation. Hey, Elizabeth, as I'm sitting here playing back over in my head what I said, I think I said mediation and what those provisions are, arbitration provisions. It's arbitration that you want to avoid signing. Well, Robert, I hope that anybody who's listening to us today and has questions feels free to come in. It's These are good things to talk about. And if you are currently serving in a fiduciary capacity for somebody and you have legal questions, it is totally appropriate to go and, and speak with an attorney. I think that that's one of those things sometimes people think that they're supposed to wait until somebody dies to talk to an attorney. Well, that's, that's, that's just not the case. 
So if you've been listening closely, you uh, you heard at the beginning of our discussion that we had two puppies wrestling and playing and we have managed to knock them out. They're both fast asleep at our feet. They're no longer disrupting the, the podcast. So I think it's time for us to sign off, Elizabeth. Thanks, Robert. So it's been lovely chatting with you. Um, we hope that you and the audience will join us again for the next Elder Law Issues with me, Robert Fleming, and my partner, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman of Fleming and Curdy, a Tucson, Arizona elder law firm. We will chat with you then. Thanks. <laughs>